Marini's Media. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Aberdeen anger Nicola Sturgeon. The Staggies are storming the Premiership right now and we need to talk about Kevin. I'm Andrew Slavin and I'm joined by my football friend from The Telegraph, it's JJ Bull. Hello JJ. Evening to all of you. <laughs> or day. Yes. Hello. Um, a lot of people have been, well, pissing us off, insulting Scottish football lately, um, like Jamie O'Hara and taking the mickey, which we don't like because, as you wrote this week, that's our job, isn't it? Well, uh, I think it's very easy to criticise Scottish football or, or anything that you don't know much about. And uh, Jamie O'Hara, who used to play for Spurs or something, I don't know, he uh, was he was on Talksport saying uh, how Bournemouth, we talked about this last week, bigger job than Rangers. I mean, I can see why people would say that because the Premier League is the only thing they maybe know and it's the big one and whatever. But yeah, I wrote a thing in the Telegraph this week, which was all about my love for Scottish football, talking about uh, all the the funniness and the daftness that makes it ours and how you're allowed to slag it off if you're a fan of it. That is yeah, fine. Exactly. Yeah. But not if you don't know anything about it. They're all welcome to join in, as uh, I'm sure everyone listening to this will know. Well, that's it. I mean, sometimes it's just about saying things that might just grab the headline, screw Indeed. the actual substance of it. Indeed. Um, but uh, in other news, uh, international podcasting is finest as they understand you are currently in a different country. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised I don't sound like I'm coming out of a washing machine or something like that. It's quite good, quite good internet. Why would you sound like, oh, because the internet quality. I don't know, yeah, I was just a bit concerned. I'm in a hotel, I'm in Lisbon. I'm in Lisbon for the next two weeks. Let's see if I am able to return. Because you're playing <laughs> for Man City, is that correct? That's it, yeah, I'm a, I'm a last minute signing. Uh, no, I'm, I'm out here, I'm working, I'm filming stuff, so I, I just hope that everything goes well. Um, but anyway, enough about that. Uh, we're going to talk about outbreaks. The outbreak at Aberdeen, that is. And we're also going to talk about East Kilbride signing all of the players. But let's start with the Hybees. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Now the opportunity for Kevin Nisbet. What a way to make your mark in the Scottish Premiership. A hat-trick for Kevin Nisbet with two minutes remaining. You'll have enjoyed the afternoon. Precision with the penalty. Jack Rossi's side went top of the Premiership this weekend, making it two wins out of two with a 4-1 victory at Livingston, including a flurry of three goals in 17 first-half minutes. We're joined now by Gavin Wilson from the Hibs Talk podcast. Gavin, this is a great result for Hibs. You know, Livingston hoping to carry on their, their form at home. Um, I think they hadn't lost in since like November or something like that. So this is a, a superb result for Hibs and a good start to the season so far. Yeah, it's uh, always a tough place to go. I was quite concerned about going there. Uh, if I'm honest in my predictions, I always do a prediction before the game. I'd said 1-1. One, one. Uh, not a lot of confidence going there. Part of the plastic pitch, but also because the way Livingston set up, uh, they are a good side. So to come away with not just only a win, but a lot of goals and a good performance, especially that first half, is, is really pleasing. Have you seen any difference so far in how uh, Ross sets up a side from last season to now in the first couple of games? I think Gogic has been a big difference. Yeah. Um, so, something that I think Heckenbottom's big mistake was, a lot of people have said it, getting rid of Bartley and Milligan and never really replacing them. I think he felt that he could come up here and play Malin there or Josh Vela there and have a playmaker there. And at the end of the day, a team like Hibs and, and, and also like with Scottish football, you can't do that. Um, you need somebody that's going to... Yeah, there was like in the Kilmarnock games, there was little things that Gogic was doing where he was closing somebody down when uh, they had a chance to counter and he was just sort of putting pressure on them. He wasn't really going in any, with any great intention to sort of get the ball off them, just hassle them and be a pain. And it gave the defence an extra five, ten seconds to get back in and get organised and then be prepared for a Kilmarnock attack. So I think there's been little things like that which Gogic has helped with and... Also, like I say, last week I think we started with the back three and then we changed uh, even in the first half without making a sub to Boyle going out wide and uh, Wright going out to the left, which was uh, hard to say. Um, but yeah, like I say, then changed to the 4 3 3 and I think there's a bit of fluidity in the team. And um, I think Ross has he said he's been working on that. And it's, I think we're really starting to, we'll be a lot more difficult to beat if we can change so quickly. Um, and, and I think Ross has done well to implement that. 
it's really pleasing to see both of your strikers on sc- on the score sheet as well, especially the fact that Kevin Nisbet's moved up a level and to bag a hat trick is is pretty good for your only your second game. But are we seeing any sort of partnership between Dodge and Nisbet? I think it's very early to say. Obviously, um, Nisbet scoring three goals, Dodge got in one, and Nisbet with the assist for it. Um, yeah, you'd have to say there's early signs of that. I'd say, but even then, I was impressed with Nisbet and Boyle when. Boyle started the game up top, I was impressed with their partnership, so that's encouraging as well that we do have options, obviously Boyle can play it wide as well, and maybe a bit quieter against Livingston out there, but yeah, I think it's great to see Nisbet bending into the team so quickly, that, that hat-trick will do massive things for his confidence, for um, you know strikers rely on confidence so much Doidge was speaking that, about that during the week, about how his hat-trick against St Johnston last season uh, really kicked him on, so to get so early in his, his Hibs career will really help Nisbet, and I think there's sort of real chances of a good partnership there, Nisbet seems like he can do, he can do a bit of everything, obviously Dodge a bit taller and things like that, there's, there's probably a good partnership uh, potentially in the, in the works there. Would you said, we start the season you'd say that uh, Hibs should probably finish third or fourth, right? Would you, would you have any more um, excitement about the season now? Oh yeah, we're, we're stopping ten in a row. Good. Love that. Um, uh, no, like I obviously uh, don't get too carried away. I was kind of like so when I looked at the first few fixtures and things like that. I was thinking, oh no, I, I think I could see us starting well. I hope we don't get too carried away. And then obviously we've won two games, and that's us, you know, top of top of the league, and that's it. We're staying there. Um, but no, I think I think like. Um, I think we'll have to be aiming for third. A club like Hibs, you know, we've been back, we've been back in the top light flight for a few seasons and sort of toyed with it at times, but never really. Um, I think Hibs should be running away with it. If I'm honest, I think. Um, I don't get me wrong. It's going to be tough. Obviously, Aberdeen and uh, Motherwell with two sides. I was expecting to be up about there. Uh, Motherwell not had the best of starts. Aberdeen only one signing, and obviously the Cosgrove injury will potentially hurt them, but. Side like Hibs, really, that's that's what we have to be aiming for. We should be aiming to be outside the the old firm, um, and yes, yeah, so I that that have that ambition for that and for Europe, European football. Hope they keep it up. Like it'd just be great to have Hibs pushing right at the top. It'll change the way the league works. Definitely. Uh, just before we say cheerio, um, I was really impressed with Josh Doig. I know he signed a new contract at the start of this season, but Hibs are always a team that that try to bring through. Uh, young and exciting players. Can you tell us anything about him? Because I, I thought he was really impressive. Yeah, he's. Uh, I have been very impressed with him. Like, say, obviously on loan uh, last season at um, Queens Park, and like, say, I think he's. Uh, I mean, I remember seeing him last season, a pre-season friendly against Dunfermline. He played like forty-five minutes at centre back, and then he's. Uh, he's obviously came in and sort of taking the position at left back and done well in pre-season and then now he's sort of holding down the jersey and I think you know he kept uh, Livingston quiet down that right hand side for the majority of the game um, I think obviously um, Louis has been a great servant for us but to keep be keeping him out of the teams it is a good sign and yeah I'm really excited about um, like another youngster coming through at Hibs and uh, hopefully one with another bright future it's just like say frustrating like say with you see as a Hibs fan you see players like that come through um, and then like say I always remember for example Boyle was a heedless chicken when we signed him for Dundee. <laughs> got him on loan, uh, and they got him on loan, and they say we've seen him develop. We've seen him learn things off the pitch as well as on the pitch, and become a much wiser head, a lot more composed. Get that final product, and now when he's at twenty seven, he's in his prime. That's when he's probably going to leave Hibs, and it's just a bit, it's just yeah. sort of frustrating thing. We've been a, a, a like a Hibs fan, and like a lot of Scottish football fans kind of have that. Like they'll never really have a player in their uh, peak at the club. Um, but like I say, Josh, like I say, another exciting prospect to come through at Hibs and you know, that's one of the things we get really excited about um, is seeing these young laddies with a lot of potential and a lot of the time achieve it at Hibs. If there's one thing we need in Scottish football, it's another talented left-back. <laughs> Gavin Wilson from the Hibs Talk podcast. JJ, I mentioned it earlier on, Livingston's first home league defeat since November. Two defeats out of two after losing to St Mirren last week. They overachieved so much last season, but is this an early a sign that it's not going to be as rosy? Uh, oh, it's two games, Andrew, come on! <laughs> yeah, but I want I want drama. I want to hear the drama from your lips. Ah, who knows? I mean, I thought they'd be harder to beat than uh, what Hibs did to them, but I've been really impressed with the Hibs, so, you know, mm. there's two sides to every story, and I can't tell with Livy. Like, I th- I've been saying for a while now, I, I don't think they'll be quite as good as they were last season. I don't think they'll drop far away, but they're definitely in that collection of about seven seven teams who could be up for relegation. 
they've got good players really rate the manager very highly Lyndon Dykes will get them goals all season long just seems to find a way to do that uh, and they've got Effie Ambrose who's just a lovely guy and, uh, that's, <laughs> all you, that's all you need really I think once again Livingston will just have to prove the doubters wrong yeah I think that's exactly we said it. we yeah. said the same thing last year and they did it so I don't know maybe they're becoming the new Hamilton but maybe just a bit better anyway up next we're going to talk about a game that didn't even happen we just want to say we're sorry, hands up genuinely, made a mistake and didn't realise the ramifications of a mistake like that, what it would cause for the country. We, we definitely apologise to the people that have been working hard behind the scenes to make, to bring football back. The city of Aberdeen enforced new lockdown restrictions on Wednesday after a coronavirus cluster. On Thursday, eight Aberdeen players were self-isolating, with two having tested positive for COVID-19. And then on Friday, the Dons trip to St Johnston was postponed at the request of the Scottish Government. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon said all eight players visited a bar on Saturday, which blatantly broke the rules for professional footballers, adding that if football doesn't adhere to the agreed protocols, all bets are off. JJ, talk to me about the soul bar. <laughs> You've been there, there, haven't you? <laughs> no, uh, well I have, but I mean I wouldn't go there through choice. It would always be because I happened to be with some oilmen who needed to go there to uh, oilmen. Oilmen, yes. No, it's an oil and gas. Is that a place you oil up? <laughs> <laughs> no, you come off the rig and then you, you get two weeks on on shore, and until you go and you you buy five pound bottles of Peroni back in two thousand and seven when they should have cost <laughs> a pound even then. But that's it's one of those kind of bars that footballers go to. Is you that, know the ones. Is that like, where they were? Is that is, was that? Yeah, it was so bar. Yeah, yeah. So that's. I mean, I'm I'm sure we may be putting allegedly there, but I'm I'm pretty sure they're all there. The footballers go out for for drinks. Like when I used to work in a bar called the Bobbin, some of the footballers used to come in for lunch, and it didn't surprise me then that they weren't quite as athletic as many of the other players in the Premiership, judging by the food we served at the time. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm sure they were having a nice dinner, or whatever. But Johnny Hayes's. They had that clip just played now. I mean, he says um, that they didn't know that they didn't count as a as a household, as one household. But I mean, come on. Yeah, but the thing is, it's like not too long ago um, down in England, for some teams to try and make sure that they weren't breaking any rules and to keep their players safe. You had Yeovil Town um, living at their football ground for about a month or two months almost, training at the ground as well. So, right. I, I, it's yeah, they would definitely have been, been one household back then. But um, I don't know, I kind of agree with Sturgeon's stance, don't you? That it's, you know, well, obviously a lot more careful. We saw German football was as strict as anything. Um, I don't see why we are any exception. No, it's, it's not. I mean, the players have apologised rightly and they shouldn't, have, they shouldn't have done it. Like, I mean, there's no... <laughs> you can't defend it. It's not... No. It's not something they should have done. It's put the entire league in, at risk. It's put that game get, get postponed. Um, lucky it hasn't been cancelled. And he got a three 0 uh, win to Johnston. Uh, the club. I mean, one of the things that's important is not to hang the players out to dry, right? Because everyone makes mistakes. Everyone does bad sure, things. So you sure, can't just sure. jump on them like it's a witch hunt. Yeah. And uh, who hasn't gone out for a drink when you shouldn't have at some point? But it is a pandemic, so there's all these things to take in they shouldn't have done it players were, that are now unavailable are Hayes Devlin McKenna Matt Kennedy Cosgrove who's already injured anyway Dylan McGeeach Craig Bryson and uh, Bruce Anderson so all would be likely to start games but now they're going to miss because um, they have to isolate so they'll miss Hamilton and then Celtic <laughs> so the league season you know any hope optimism you've got in Aberdeen fan is already quite small but a uh, that could already wipe out the uh, start of the season. You go four games without any points or something like that. It's kind of, kind of bad. Lee Griffiths has been reminded of his responsibilities. He's not the only player, the ones at Aberdeen. I mean, Griffiths he had a yeah, part for his girlfriend. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he'll get in trouble for that because he shouldn't have done that. But there's, there's uh, also the element of St Johnston are a game short now as well. And the whole fixture calendar has to be moved back. I think, I think uh, right, the well, game against that, Livingston right? for Aberdeen has had to be moved back a day or something like that. It does let down a lot of people um, who are trying to make sure everything's working. But I think we can safely say we're not as bad as the Peruvian League, which uh, got suspended on Saturday. Um, that was just a day after it resumed following a five-month break due to the pandemic um, because fans apparently refused to socially distance. Well, there you go. There you go. 
It's uh, as everyone says, like strange times and all that. And um, I think it's right not to call the play, hang the players out to dry, but it's good that they've apologised for doing it wrong. The other thing as well now is that um, obviously you want to get through this little uh, positive test section because Aberdeen have uh, learned who they might play in Europa League qualifiers. Mm-hmm. They're in Group Four. The pot Aberdeen, Rosenberg, and Motherwell are um, will play one of um, teams I have never heard of: Breda Blick from Iceland. NSI Runovic from the Faroe Islands or Barrytown United FC of Wales or Glentoran FC in Northern Ireland against HP Torshaven of the Faroe Islands. I may have pronounced all those names wrong, but yeah. And those those are just one-legged ties, aren't they? It's they are indeed, game. yes. Yes, one game to ruin the season. <laughs> oh my God. I hope they get to play Barrytown just so we can say Barrytown again on the podcast. Well, let's move on to Sunday's action then. Uh, and we're going to start at Rugby Park. JJ thought I sounded a bit sad talking about Kelly last week. Uh, no need to be sad this week. They took a point off the champions on Sunday. They did. They were they were good as well. I didn't see the game. Um, what, what, what happened? Um, Celtic had all of the possession. I think it was about 72%, something mental. Like that might even Surprise, have, surprise. Yeah, tracked up to 80%. But Kelly were decent when they had the ball and they moved mm. it well. They combined quite well. They, they were moving it quickly. They weren't just hoofing it away. I thought they defended very well. And this is the kind of the thing we've come to expect from uh, Alex Dyer's teams because that's what we had from Steve Clark's teams. He was a very good manager. Is they defend he is very, a very well, good all in lines, like uh, spacing between the players is organised. They know what's what. And uh, Celtic, like Neil Rowland said, they were just, there's a bit of rust there. They weren't quite on it. They weren't passing quickly enough. I think they've suffered a little bit with the tempo of the game. I think it was too easy for them against Hamilton at times just because of bad decision-making by Hamilton last week. This time I thought uh, they just couldn't quite get into it. It was a really good hit for Christie for the for the free kick for the goal. And then Kabamba, who I really rate. Like I think he's quite a decent player. He's got a really good first touch. There's a few diagonal balls on the top. No, Because like, you think when you see someone who's just going to run and you think he's going to batter into people, he's got a really good touch. Mm. And was taking it down, keeping it, shielding it well, uses his body uh, really well. And... Uh, just did in Christopher Julian with a bit of a bit of magic in the box. One penalty. Very sloppy from Julian. I thought I did see the the foul. Maybe um, that's, I mean, almost, that's the kind of rust, right? That's what that's where you're just a little bit off it. Yeah, I suppose. Shot. But I think it was almost one of those little battles where you know Julian just lost his composure and his and his concentration, and that's why he did such a thing. I think he kicked the boarding after that as well. But it was good play from from Kabamba. Yeah, the other thing Kelly did a lot was um they they doubled up in wide areas, so they're often forced to play wide from Celtic. Yeah. Uh, and then they would double up, so the the, the wide midfielder would come back and support the fullback. So there's no real way for them to get through. And uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to to look at it. It's just one of those games that Celtic had lots of shots, few on target, all from long range. Kelly defended it really well, earned a point. Kilmarnock's new goalkeeper, Danny Rogers, um, first start for the club um, mm-hmm. after coming on last week. Was he a bit? Do you think he would have been disappointed with the goal he conceded from Ryan Christie? All goalkeepers are disappointed when they concede goals, Andrew. As well, you know. I, 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 you, you tell me what you think. What do you think? Yeah, I would be definitely disappointed if I was Danny Rogers for that first that first goal because we know Ryan Christie can shoot from range and, and score because he's like I think five goals from outside the box in the Premiership last season, um, which was more than any other player. Um, but I just think this one, although it bounced uh, in the six-yard box, which can make it hard for any goalkeeper. The distance, Rogers should really just be shifting his feet a little bit quicker. And you could be looking at a win for Kilmarnock at home. Maybe, um, maybe. I still think a point's a really good... I mean, to take a point, absolutely. even though you're at home against Celtic. And I also liked um, that Lennon was pointing out how, because they're playing on the, the plastic pitch and because it's like so hot, mm. uh, it's really slow and you can't really get the zip of the tempo you need to play how Celtic want to. It's no reason they couldn't do it. That's interesting. Uh, John Hartson, he was one of the pundits in the, in the game, he says he thought Edward was a bit disappointing today. I thought he just couldn't get into positions because Kilmarnock defended so well and if you're the forward and you're squeezed out of the game you can't do much I know they've got like um, Lee Griffiths is in trouble now for having too many parties and uh, they well, are I just had one party but yeah too many. <laughs> one too many yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do if they were to lose Edwards quickly because there's lots of uh, noise linking um, Stephen Fletcher with a move yep. along, and I wonder whether he'd be quite expensive. I think even for for a season, and they're also linked with um, Albion Ajeti, who's at um, West Ham just now. I think at the moment, uh, but I don't know if he's an actual striker. He's more of just a forward. In the yeah, final I know. Third. Lyle Taylor as well has been linked, um, but I've I've heard that I think it was Tam McManus who tweeted about um, Stephen Fletcher that he, he's actually moved 
he's moved back to Scotland. So he's back in the country. He's not. He's bought a house in Glasgow, I've been told, yeah. Yeah, so he's definitely looking for a move. But I think it sounds like Fletcher needs would need a, a move more than more than Celtic would need him because surely they won't let Edouard go now. Um, yeah, absolutely would. If they, get, if they get 30 million, 35, you can't turn that down. It's their whole business model. You turn a player into being worth money and then you sell them on. I mean, sure, they don't no, want I, to do I, it. I, Celtic will get plenty of strikers. I think Bio might be off on loan sometime soon. And Klamala looks like he's came back like an absolute unit. Um, I don't know if you saw, but he said um, in the summer that... Uh, He's been hitting the gym really hard because in training he just couldn't. He basically couldn't fight Julian. He wanted to fight Julian, and Julian was just too too hard for him. So he's been hitting the gym. That's um, how you do it. I think a lot of players are just really good because they're so fit. They're just really like they're able to run and they're just a bit stronger. They get better balance. Yeah. And then core strength. Gordon Strachan talks about it a lot having like strong core strength makes you a better player. Speaking of core strength, uh, clever Dicamona. is uh, signed for Killy. He was. Yeah. I thought he was excellent at Hearts last season. Uh, so a huge loss good. for them. I thought he, no, he was a good player, man. I think really, yeah, really, really a lot. Hearts fans on Twitter, I see, are more gutted about him going than uh, than all the nonsense of being relegated in that. But yeah, mm, interesting. There we go. Two points dropped, Slavin. It's not all over yet. Well, also on Sunday, JJ, you say Celtic have dropped points. Mm. Um, Rangers won 3 0. It was Alfredo Morelos scoring his first league goals of 2020. Uh, St. Mirren uh, went to Ibrox and lost. But two uh, two wins out of two for Rangers, but they're still not top. <laughs> That's because Hibs have done so well. Uh, Rangers yeah. were good in this game. Uh, I think Gerrard had to use his squad a little bit because they had the European game. They're just straight mm. back, so they had to be careful uh, about you know not running the players into the ground early on because they pick up injuries very very easily if you do that. Rangers are decent. Al Morelos has got a couple of goals. Not hugely difficult for him to score, but he's a good player and they tend to score easy goals in this. The other, like, isn't it odd? Can you imagine, what's it, um, Douglas Ross, right? So the leader of the Scottish <laughs> Tories. You stole my link. Yeah. Go on. Can you imagine if Boris was Boris Johnson was running up and down the line at a Man United game? Oh, he likes his sport, Boris, doesn't he? Yeah, but it's just odd, isn't it? It's I odd mean, that, that we've mentioned politics twice in this podcast. Oh, yeah, we should get off that, yeah. I should maybe explain this a little bit more about um, Douglas Ross we're talking about. So he became the new leader of the Scottish Conservatives, but he is the assist- like he's a linesman, he's assistant referee. So he was running yeah. the line in this game, which is odd, because I guess he could, if he gets any, uh, forms any particular um, grievances with anyone on the pitch, he can form new policies to try and, <laughs> to try and harm them. <laughs> well, there you go. Clive Tildesley. Clive Tilsley on Rangers TV. People were saying on Twitter it reminded them of FIFA. <laughs> it's decent, isn't it? I think it's, it's a great. Good, it's a great get. I think it's a good signing. Yeah, um, they, they played. Uh, they played. It is. It is. It's really good. Yeah. The media team getting him in. Cedric Iten, they just signed, came on as a sub. He, replaced, he stopped Morelos getting a hat trick, mm. which means they, that Gerard now has to answer a tricky question on the Football Manager post-match interview, where you have to carefully negotiate how you make the player not feel uh, gutted for being taken off when he could have had a hat-trick. Maybe it's squad management, that's why he did it. Treat them mean, keep them keen. <laughs> we had a question in from Twitter. Greg mm. McEwen asks, at the Totally Show, has the five-sub rule had any noticeable impact on tactics as yet? For example, I felt there was more energy being expended by St Mirren attackers in pressing as they had multiple subs when needed. Can you can you understand the logic in that? It makes makes kind of sense, but I don't know if it's I mean, really been applied. That's the main benefit of having the more subs is that pressing teams can put more energy up, up front to, or it's just wherever they need the ball to be won, they can put players on to do that. It's too early to say you've seen any difference in tactics, but that is the clear tactic that you've had is uh, replacing players who are too tired to do the defensive work that they need. If you want your defence to be quite aggressive rather than a block, then it's very useful having substitutes to bring on. I think well, you might see a few more... There's a few teams have used four subs a game um, so far. I can't think of any examples, but I know I was looking through it earlier. And uh, I think it'll be quite common just at the start of the season to, to use a few more than you might do later on because, you again, you want to make sure that players are fresh and not p- playing too much and picking up injuries, things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think we'll know more about that later on, but it, absolutely, that's the difference will be in pressing. We don't know who Rangers are going to get in um Europa League draw. We know Aberdeen and Motherwell, obviously, but, well, who they could get drawn against, but Rangers will be later because they start at a later date. But yeah, only a 1-0 loss to Leverkusen is pretty decent during the week. I mean, it's not, I mean, they still lost, so... What can yeah, you say? And I'd, I, yeah. 
I'd, good I'd in Europe, though. Yeah, Rangers were excellent in Europe. Um, and the good thing about you know Celtic and Rangers um, with the success in Europe is that we've got two Champions League places now. Absolutely. Um, this is really, really good. This is how we return to, to the glories. And also how Rangers and Celtic pull away even further from everyone else because they're going to make so much more money than the rest of the league. But then there's this weird new conference <laughs> yeah. uh, Europa thing. Yes, that's uh, right. Which I think Scotland will have two participants in. So it could be interesting. I don't know. I think it's just good. More Scottish teams in Europe is more exciting for me. That's what I say. Still to come, Red Hot Ross County and Melon Masters Motherwell. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. Bolton, ball into the middle, it's missed at the post, and it's knocked in by the man who'd never previously scored for Dundee United, but Matt Reynolds gets on the score sheet. So moving on to Motherwell against Dundee United, it was five years to the exact day on Saturday since the Tangerines last won at Fir Park. United skipper Mark Reynolds, Motherwell born and bred, marked the anniversary with the only goal, sealing Dundee United's first Premiership win since 2016. How exciting, JJ. How exciting. Um, first win for Mickey Mellon as well, which I think is good, um, after he drew with St Johnston last time out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did it without Lauren Shanklin as well, which he'll be delighted about. Yeah, I was really um, happy with that for my fantasy football team, yeah. That's exactly what I needed to happen after the you disaster Reynolds last in your week. team? No, I've got Lauren Shanklin in my team. <laughs> but yes, uh, they did it without Shanklin. Dundee United uh, look very organised. They look really organised under Mellon. Mm. We were talking about this last week with Benji Palmer, saying how he keeps saying, he's shouting things like reset and we go again, that sort of stuff. Uh, but you can see it, they're really well organised. I think this is, a, what's happened to Motherwell now is um, exactly what I, I, I thought would happen. I think I've said it a few times in the podcast. As soon as you start to do well with like a possession-based game in Scotland, everyone starts playing on the counter-attack against you. And then if you don't quite get it right, if you don't zip the passes through the way you need to, then you can be taken apart. And the, and the wider they make the pitch and the, the, just the bigger they make the pitch, the more vulnerable they are to these counter-attacks. And although United didn't really do them on the counter like that, Motherwell had a lot of possession and didn't do much with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like tapping a balloon with a spoon rather than a knife. Do you, know, you, need, to, you need to be able to like Well, it's interesting you because... Robinson said, didn't he, that Mother will need to be more streetwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you look at Mellon's out- outlook on on how he sets up his teams. He even said for the goal scorer, Mark Reynolds, says Mark Reynolds helps me drive the standard. That's interesting that Mellon's looking for a, a, a level to be reached. Um, that was the same think- with uh, Reynolds at Aberdeen. He was one of the important people in the dressing room that helped drive it on during the slightly better years. Sure, but I think if you look at the defending of, of the goal, I think it's uh, Mugabe does nothing and Grimshaw does nothing. Really, really caught napping. Although it was a nice, like, um, sharp ball in from Lewis Bolton, I think it is. Put it in a really dangerous area. It looked as though Mugabe and Grimshaw just um, expected the, the other defender, I can't remember the name, just expected them to do something and they weren't worrying about what was behind them. And what was behind them, JJ, was Mark Reynolds. With a tidy <laughs> finish, yeah, well finished. Yeah, really, really good finish. I, th- I um, think those goals where you can see it was a bit of a rammy in the box, it's just, I wonder how much you can coach that. It's all about being organised and knowing your position and being like, being positionally aware. So you realise what's going on about, not even positionally aware, situationally aware. So you understand when the ball goes somewhere else where you then need to be and where the danger is. And if you're not organised and it's a bit of a stromash, that's when it's easy to concede. I think that's what the streetwise bit is. Maybe... Maybe not um, letting play flow when you when it when it does and you know, breaking it up, but also just sticking to what you're supposed to do in those uh, in those box areas, also known as the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but was it thirty? Was it thirty-three shots they've had in two games so far, Motherwell? Yeah, they're definitely the more commanding team, but the, 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 and I like is, the way they build. Chris, they build through Long, the middle. Is Chris Long going to be good enough um, up there on his own? Pretty much, I think David Turnbull. Um, wasn't as good as maybe people had hoped, but he's you know people have to be really patient. Uh, he'll take um, a while. So once once, it, once yeah. it clicks with him, he'll be decent. Uh, Long's mm-hmm. decent. Long's good enough. It's all yeah, about creating chances player. for him, I think. Yeah, and it's all about making sure, sure you lead the you press in the right way and you you build and you have your approach play done in the right way. Um, what they could also do with is 
avoiding any more positive tests for uh, the coronavirus. Have you oh, seen well, this? You heard about this? Yeah, the mother, but, but it was followed by two negative tests. So a motherboard player was tested positive, mm-hmm. but then that was followed by two negative tests. So he, he it's called a anyway. false positive. Yeah. Um, but it's self-isolating anyway, which I suppose, you know, the club are doing the right thing and just, you know, self That's what you're supposed to do. You know if you're, yeah. That's how that's you do thing. it. Exactly. That's, that's how you that's take it. responsibility. Yeah. You, you don't go to Soul Bar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, finally on Saturday, JJ, um, he scores yes. when he wants. It's Billy McKay! <laughs> my boy. Another Hunting. one I meant to have in my fantasy team and didn't bother. Yeah, I thought about put, my putting God. him in this. I actually thought about putting him, uh, getting rid of Moyle uh, and getting McKay in, but I didn't. Oh, well. But Hamilton lost this game, Ross County 1-0. Uh, I think Ross County conceded 60 goals in 30 games last season. Two clean sheets now. Not too bad. Yeah, I'm starting to see what Benji was on about last week when he said that he really liked the football Ross County were playing. I think they look a lot better than I thought they were. I mean, this is the kind of game where, where honestly, I believe, we keep saying this, I believe any scoreline. If it was 1-0 Hamilton, it would probably be just as fair. I really think Brian Rice knows exactly what he's doing. He seems to be a really competent coach and likes his teams to play nice football, which is hard to do when you have no budget whatsoever and a lot of young players. Uh, but he'll get results out of them. I mean, it's not... You know, you lose one nil to Ross County, it's 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 not disastrous yet. And we all know they'll survive anyway. Um, but also the thing is that Ross County had more possession in this game. So whereas you think Hamilton were trying to, trying to be more progressive and keep the ball more, it's actually Ross County that were having it have more of the, more of the ball and Hamilton need to just try and counter through them which might be a tactical ploy by Rice what he's been saying is that his players need to learn pretty quickly because they're young and that's something he'll he he doesn't really have budget to bring anyone in to replace this is his problem but need to learn he needs to learn <laughs> so that they get done to doubt I think he also needs his very few experienced players that he has to come back so the likes of David Templeton and sure. uh, Brian Easton as well who have you know, long term injuries um, but I know Easton's in there, still captain of the club, kind of in the dressing room trying to be a driving force. But he needs them to be on the park just to be teaching these youngsters. But it is nice to see Hamilton do what they do best and they, they give youngsters chances. Um, but there you go. We, we don't know what's going to happen with Hamilton this year. I tipped them for relegation. Yes, we do. They'll finish 10th. We don't nah. know. <laughs> of course they anyway. always do. Anyway. Still to come, we've got Laura Brannan. She's back to talk to us about East Coast Bride. She's from there. But up next, fantasy football. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. It's FFS time. Let's look at game week three of Fantasy Football Scotland. Um, did we talk? We didn't, we've not even spoken about our team names yet, JJ. No, what's, what's your team called? Considine with me in honour of the great Andy. What's yours? Uh, Dumb Chips FC. It's pretty boring. And that is because I'm because... from Dumfries and. It sounds like fries. And you like chips? I do, yeah. I don't really understand so dumb, this dumb name, chips. Slave. It's like it's like Dumfries, but dumb chips. I'm just changing the name of the town I'm from. But there oh, you right. Go. I see. Yeah. I understand. Oh, you get it now. <laughs> no surprise to see Aberdeen players dominating the most transferred out players, JJ. Um, match day one saw... Well, after match day one, um, Andrew Considine was the most transferred out player. Can you believe it? Well, obviously he's suspended, so that makes sense. I was disappointed <laughs> that they haven't got a small... I mean, I shouldn't joke about it. You kept them in your squad, though, didn't a little, you? A little small like virus button next to the player so you know why they're out of the next game. He's still uh, in squad, you, though, isn't he? Uh, Constantine will never leave. He's the star of the show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you've got I mean, you've got those eight Aberdeen players now who are isolated and out of the Hamilton Celtic game, so get the rid of them all! Shankland was third most transferred out player this week. Uh, which seems to be a wise decision given he yeah. turned out to be injured. I didn't know he was injured. He stayed on my team. I also forgot to update my team on time. I've had a bad a bad fantasy spell. Slavin, oh, it's not going mate. well. And I captained Edward this week. And um, obviously that hasn't gone well. Who's your captain this week? Yeah, I captained Edward. I, I, I find it difficult to not captain Edward every week this season. <laughs> but that, that seems to be the case. Yeah, I mean, all you can expect is, is goals from him or assists. He was the most um, transferred in player uh, this week, which makes I mean that's obvious right after scoring a hat trick last week. True, um, but I also my, my tip last week proved fruitful because I did say to everyone to get Nisbet in. I think I said that in game week one actually. That yeah. he was my 
my my buy. Um, like so three three goals and an assist for him. Two of the four most transferred in players, transferred in players, were Leon Balogun and Connor Goldson. I yeah. think people were um, maybe waiting before the first game to see who Gerard would pick as the centre half duo. I think, I think it might have been. Leon Balogun the, looks all right, doesn't he? I think he looks like a great player already. Yeah, I, I yeah. think he looks really composed. I think one of the reasons it might be that people waited to put him in is that they thought Aberdeen might score. It's an opening day of the season against Rangers. Yeah, the team yeah. results in the past. So a clever, cautious setup. I think Barisic is the pick of the defenders because he gets forward. He should get yeah, an assist, I think, for that goal that Morelos scored. He should have. Um, yeah, but we'll see that. And then Balogun and Goldson seems to be the um, seems to have been the uh, the pick he's going to have. I've just seen that, that one of my WhatsApp quotes is <laughs> <laughs> is quoted in our script. <laughs> yes, JJ said at three fifty nine on Saturday, I have absolutely shagged my FFS team. <laughs> And low, you can I can still bring it back, mate. You can still bring it's, it back. It's unlikely. I've missed out on Bill McKay. challenged me at the top of the table of our yeah. mini league. Well, it was very wise of you to have Kevin Nisbet in. I don't know why Scott Allen didn't start for Hibs, but it must be tactical because of the way they won that game against Livingston. He knows what he's doing. I've also noticed that transfers don't carry over. So if you don't do a transfer uh, one week, you don't then have two the next, like in the the English Premier League one. Mm. You know what I mean? So you get two yeah. there maximum, but you don't get that in the Scottish one. So... Just one at a time where you've got to take point hits. So I'm probably going to have to take some for the Aberdeen players. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Should we look at the fixtures coming up? And what we've yeah, got? You're, yeah, you're yeah, better at this game than me. What... Dundee United versus Hibs. You've got Nisbet. And any other Hibs players? Any United players? You're taking your yeah, points I've got, there? I've got, I've got Boyle. And um, I have oh. uh, I have Ian Harks from Dundee United. Um, I, I quite like... I, he seems like a player that's going to play every week. Um, but I, I don't know if he's going to chip in with loads of goals or assists. But I think he'll be a... One of those guys that's, you know, good value, 3.4 million. What's he in midfield, uh, is he? Yeah, he's a central midfielder. So yeah. I don't know, he could chip in with a couple of goals, but he might also just get the, the appearance points um, that can just prop up your team uh, yeah. nicely. Um, St Mirren against Celtic, this could be interesting um, because St Mirren are so good defensively. I know they shipped three goals against against Rangers. They but, what? Um, they shipped three goals. No, I know. It's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, six o'clock kickoff that one as well. Uh, what a time. If, yeah, it'll be interesting. To see. I think that's going to be an interesting game. I don't think I'm going to... I've still got Richard Tate in my team. I benched him uh, against Rangers, but I might sneakily put him in there. don't yeah. know. I think maybe after drawing 1-1 with, with Kilmarnock, Celtic might... don't know. There might be another draw or maybe a submarine win. Um, well, um, I'd say I mean, the obvious one here for Rangers versus Johnson is to put in Morelos or some sort of forward. Maybe I think Arable will get some. He scored nine last season, I think it was. I'd look at my stats. Yeah. Uh, might be horribly wrong, but he might be one to look out for in midfield. And Barisic's defence, I really like. Aberdeen Hamilton, I don't know what to say about this. Do you think like, Do you think people might start bringing in some Aberdeen players this week? I don't know. Even a Matty Kennedy or something. Well, you can't because he's in self-isolation. Oh, of course. So I would advise especially not him or <laughs> <laughs> any of those lads. It's not a bad first 11 you can pick. So like, I feel like I've done an awful lot of Aberdeen chat here, but if you look at the players that are missing out, uh, the 11 you could form f- for this game against Hamilton is uh, you'd, have, you'd have Lewis, Hernandez, Taylor, Hoban, who's signed... Uh, maybe mm. Logan if he's fit to play left back or uh, mm. Dean Campbell could be there too. Oh, Joe Campbell, Ferguson, McGinn, Edmondson, and maybe Scott Wright if he's ready to play. That's a decent eleven, and it should like man to man on paper or on, in a game of pro evo. That's a better team than Hamilton's team. But yeah. the way they're playing just now, and with all this nonsense in the background, I just wonder what would happen. And you get so many cheap Hamilton players, it could be a little sneaky way to get some. It could be a differential week where you get some of those Possibly, guys Possibly, yeah. But you've, Motherwell um, Livingston is difficult because Motherwell's, like we said, not playing just as well as they could. But this could difficult be the game for me because I've got I've got Livingston and Motherwell defenders in my team. But I think a few people might have been surprised that um, Donnelly was injured at the week weekend. Yeah. Um, that's why Mugabe came in. But I I thought he was going to play. He might still be injured for this game, so I might just keep him in just because I'd have to put well Tremarco for Ross County. I know Ross County have got Kilmarnock. But I've still got Tremarco in my team. Mm. I need to get rid of him. <laughs> it looks like Josh Reed's going to be playing in that position for Ross County for the most part. Um, but Ross County Kilmarnock's an interesting one again. Yeah. Uh, I think Mackay, Payton or Stewart would be the picks for Ross County in here. But it's also a really tough call. Ross County flying high. Kilmarnock getting a good result against Celtic. I, just, I can't call that one, to be honest. But it is up in, in the Highlands. Oh, well, pick one player that you, you're recommending for this week. 
Well, Regan Charles Cook only got me a point. Um, I think he's just a good solid buy that's going to play games, and I like him as a player. Um, and a human. Charles Cook, 2.9 million. Ross County, he's going to be my pick. I think he's going to come good eventually. I feel like I could do a sting there. Pick of the week. But let's pick not. of the week. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't already, head to the App Store, search FFS and download the app and put your team together and come and play against us. And even if you start now, even though it's two weeks played, you'll still probably be ahead of me after the first week you play. So it's all... <laughs> it's worth it. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via The Athletic. Now this would normally be the time to get a few odds on the fixtures coming up. However, the odds are missing this week and here's why. Paddy Power launched a campaign at Fur Park this weekend designed to raise awareness for the hundreds of thousands of people that go missing every year. Lee Price is here to tell us more about it. Lee, why were there blank cardboard cutouts at Motherwell on Saturday? Yes. We know fans are missing from stadiums, but some are missing from homes too. And obviously fan cutouts have become the norm across European football. And we just thought it was an interesting way to raise awareness by rather than filling a stand with, with smiling faces or dogs in scarves or whatever else, we could create a, a bank of silhouettes, which would create quite a, a poignant image, harrowing image in some ways, mm. uh, to really raise awareness for missing people, uh, which is a charity which works with families of missing people to find missing people and also people who are thinking about going missing. Um, so we thought it was an interesting way to start the season with our, our partners, Motherwell, um, and these cutouts will remain in place until fans return to games, whenever that might be. I mean, there's, there's some incredible statistics surrounding this. I've, I've seen a million people a year are affected by people in their lives disappearing. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Every 90 seconds... Someone in the UK is reported missing, which is astonishing. Uh, the number of people who go missing in one month would fill the Motherwell Stadium. Uh, and this particularly affects men, and particularly men aged between 18 and, and 40, which is why Paddy Power got involved, because that's obviously the audience we speak to most frequently. Uh, and football felt like a, an interesting vehicle to, to broach this subject with. It seems like it's a good use to, to try and put some more exposure on this because it's hard to, to search for people, particularly in these times right now. You know, for charities like Missing People, their donations are way down. Um, and also there's the, the side of things that, that COVID, people speak about this a lot, but we don't know the, the mental health impact on mm. quite a large part of the country. And there's likely to be a significant increase in the numbers of people who go missing, uh, perhaps on a scale never seen before. So this is an opportunity to, to raise awareness, not just of people who are missing and try and find people, but also of the charity so that if you do need to speak to someone, that they are people you can speak to. That's really good. This isn't just happening at, at, at Far Park either. This is taking place elsewhere. Yeah, so the campaign has been launched by this, this harrowing image, as I've called it. But we're also going to be taking over our Paddy Power shop window posters. So there's 650 stores across the UK and Ireland. Uh, and a large part of those will feature specific people. So they won't have silhouettes in the windows. They'll have actual people based on the local areas they last were seen. Um, and I guess we're, you know, we're really trying to help find someone. And we've, we've dealt with a lot of families who are happy for their, their missing person to feature in our shop window. So hopefully if you pass a Paddy Power store and you see a face in the window, if you recognise them, you can get in touch with missing people. Uh, and just quickly, you can do that by calling or texting 116000 or emailing the same number, 116000 at missingpeople.org.uk or you can visit their website, of course. Thanks a lot, Lee. That's 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 great. Um, if you have been affected by this issue, like Lee says, you can access support by visiting www.missingpeople.org.uk or you can call or text Missing People on 116000. It's free, it's confidential and it's available 24-7. Okay, it feels like every season we see a club from the Highlander Lower League going big in their attempts to earn promotion to the SPFL. Right now it looks like that club could be East Kilbride. And to talk to us about East Kilbride, we've got Laura Brannan. Welcome back, Laura. Hello, thanks for having me back again. Yeah, it's good to hear your voice. Missed You're you from guys. East Kilbride, apparently. Yeah, I am from East Kilbride. Good old little East Kilbride. Full of roundabouts, East Kilbride. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely full of roundabouts. There's a lot of them. <laughs> there, there are some roundabouts that don't even have a left or right option. It's just straight through. 
That's I thought, just I thought a you road. could never go right in a roundabout. <laughs> yeah. But a roundabout that just goes straight. Yeah, it's just it's just there for the sake of it. I like that. Next level. But talk to me about the football club. Ten years in existence. Um but there's been some big names come in this summer. There has been, yeah. I think it's like we can look for the names of them. There's Paul Payton, um, obviously known for Dundee United more than anything, but came mm. from Dunfermline. There's um, Lewis Kidd, who I actually worked with when I was at Celtic. He was one of the young boys at the time, and he's been through the kind of championship teams and stuff. He's, <laughs> he'll always be a kid. He's younger than me. Um, <laughs> we've got Stephen Old come in, Chris Erskine, Kyle Hutton, Darren Smith. I mean, there's some really good names that have come in that have just signed. They're, they, they mean business, don't they? And how has this happened? Someone won the lottery. What's what's happened? <laughs> I know it's it, it's it's good though that someone is actually taking this club seriously and really going right. We're going to invest some money in this because we want to get out the Lowland League and actually become an SPFL team. And it's it's long, long overdue as well. But they've they've came close before though, haven't they, Laura? They have. They they came to was it the pyramid playoffs as well. They just missed out on um, very very close before a couple of seasons actually I think it was. But last season they finished seventh, which is so disappointing. Um, they were I mean they were almost half the points of Kilty Hearts who were up the top. Um, East Coast are not a team to be around seventh place in the Lowland League. They should be up there challenging and they should be pushing to get even further because I mean a, a town like East Coast is long overdue a proper club. You look at um, small towns, the towns that have kind of created around Scotland um, around the kind of 50s, 60s time. East Kilbride is one of those towns. And to say all these decades on that we still don't have a club in the SPFL, it's just, it doesn't seem right somehow. I mean, growing up as a, a kid in East Kilbride, our, our local club was like either Celtic Rangers or Hamilton Ackies. Or as I used to always claim, uh, Hamden is closest to my postcode, so that's why I'm a Scotland fan more than anything. That was uh, <laughs> that was just my my daft excuse. So, but um, I mean, you look at like towns like Livingston, uh, built roughly around the same time as East Kilbride, and they've got a club now who is fully established in the SPFL. They've been up and down all the leagues in Scottish football, and they're now such a mainstay in the top division that no one really even tips them for relegation anymore. They're just accepted as a Premiership team now. And it's almost like I'm kind of jealous looking at a town like Livingston that have that, whereas East Kilbride don't. But they do have they do have a record because they broke Ajax's record of consecutive wins back in 2016. Do you remember this? 30 wins. Yeah, it was. It was something. Ajax tweeted about it as well, didn't they? Did they a box of beer or something. I'm like that. sure they sent. Yeah, I'm sure they sent over like a, a crate of beer or something to congratulate. Girl, something, <laughs> they know and, their audience. Yeah, exactly. And also, it was around the time when these Kilbride drew Celtic in the Scottish Cup as well. So I mean, it was all oh, kind of yeah. happening for the, the team at the time, and I think it really kind of put them on the stage and it, it kind of drew everyone's attention to them as a kind of almost like a serious team. It was like everyone kind of just fallen under the radar up until then, and then that was the point where everyone went, "Wait, hold on a minute." This is actually a club that are going places. What are their potential? And then that was around the time they were also hitting the, the kind of first, second place of the Pyramid League, uh, sorry, the Lone League. And then they just didn't really make it last year. They didn't really make an impact last year. I think everyone kind of forgot about them. But it's really good to see the big names coming in. Um, I mean, guys like Paul Payton and Chris Erskine, I think, are, are going to be great. Um, they're still they're still relatively young. I mean, <laughs> they're they're thirty three years old and. I'd like to, as a thirty-three-year-old, I'd like to kind of say that was young, um, <laughs> coming to the end of their careers in that sense. But I know Chris Erskine, had, um, he's he lives in East Kilbride and he started um, up a PT company. And I think with like coronavirus hitting, um, he was just kind of looking at his options and going right. Well, do I can I stay playing football in the top levels, the top tiers? Or to really take on my own career seriously, thinking the long term and kind of looking forward. And I think for somebody like him who is kind of coming to the end of his career, who has another career option, I think it was probably just ideal for him. So I know it looks like a big jump going from Livingston in the top tier to East Kilbride, but when he's kind of seriously considered his options for his own career, it's good for him and it's just going to be absolutely fantastic for East Kilbride to have his experience when he isn't yet at retirement age. Laura, how have you found this the, the return of football? Because... For any listeners that, that are new to this podcast, um, you're like really integral to the, the media side at, at Motherwell. Um, so how has it been, like the return to... I mean, it's nice to see football back, but you're really passionate about fan experience and, and you do that a lot of that with, with Motherwell Football Club, you know, trying to keep that connection between the club and the fans. What's it been yeah. like having no fans at stadiums? Oh, 
see, see, the, like obviously when well, the lockdown was growing and stuff, everyone's just desperate to get back, back to the office, back to seeing everyone else that you work with, back to some sort of reality. And at first it was great. You're like, this is brilliant. We're, we're actually getting somewhere. But see now that the games have actually started and you've experienced it with the fans, it's it's actually a wee bit sad. Mm. I, I I went to sit in the. It's, it's called Block E. Um, it's the, the section where the Motherwell boys, the ultras, sit for games, or stand rather. And I went to sit in that in just, just before kickoff yesterday, and I just kind of sat there looking around the stadium, just kind of taking it all in. And it was just a bit kind of poignant, really. Um, and that kind of when it just kind of hit me, and I thought, this is just kind of sad that they're not getting in to experience it. And I, look, I get that it's a business, we're in this industry that we have to get back playing as soon as possible. Like, livelihoods depend on it. I completely understand that. But it's just not the same, the fans. And I think of it from my perspective. I'm I'm a big Scotland fan, and it breaks my heart to think that I'm going to miss the playoffs now. Mm-hmm. And I can't get into Hamden for games. And that I, I can't even comprehend how I'll feel when the time comes round. So for these Motherwell fans, I just I really feel for them. And it's just it's just not the same experience just now. And I guess the worst thing must be that people can absolutely work out it's you being aggressively insulting to the opposition players <laughs> in the crowd. That oh, is a that, real that problem. Is, that yeah. is something else. I mean, yes, there's definitely an insightful side of that there. Um, you hear everything that goes on. I mean, especially <laughs> my, my camera position at Fur Park is right next to the home dugout. So I hear everything that, that Stephen Robinson's shouting and the, the players... Like if they ever answer back, you're thinking, oh God, don't answer back. Um, it's really good. But also it kind of ruins the magic a wee, a wee bit because you're kind of like... Oh really? I disagree. I find it really interesting. Yeah, do do it, you yeah. really want to hear that? Is that? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, yeah. To be honest, yeah, <laughs> I think it's really, really because it's almost like you you get to hear little jargons that you know you didn't think you'd yeah hear before. And why do they say that? Oh, that's what that means. I know. I I get it. We we love to obviously give kind of as much a behind the scenes um, as it as it's possible in our kind of media output and. We, we like to go in the dressing room sometimes after the game or we're on the pitch with the players and stuff. So it's something that we've always kind of invested in is trying to kind of hear what happens that you don't normally hear just by watching mm-hmm. like Sky Sports or whatever. So I get that and I really do enjoy that. But it's, I don't know, sometimes like it just feels like it's maybe a step too far to hear them all argue with each other and stuff. I don't like that. <laughs> like I, I just kind of like to know that everyone's friends with each other. It's all one big happy family. And then you don't hear them all kind of shouting, why did you miss the ball and all that stuff? And that was your ball. Why did you not cover your run? and stuff but it's, it's great to kind of get that different side of things definitely um, and it's something that we did for one of our documentaries when we played at Ibrooks in one of the pre-season friendlies and it, some of the, the shouts from players did pick up on the mic so we were trying to mm-hmm. use that as up sounds to kind of show this is what is said so it's definitely something we'll look to kind of use going forward in, in some of our output anyway Well let's hope fans will be back in ground soon but that's all for today Thanks for you, Laura Brannan, for joining us. Thanks to the listener for listening. Gavin Wilson and to the Little Kicks for our theme song you're hearing right now. If you want to hear us without ads and odds, then get yourself an Athletic free 30-day trial by heading to theathletic.com forward slash Scottish show. But we'll be back next week, so we'll see you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football Network at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta and be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy Knees Media.